Let's go, focus, breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 go. Up, you've got it, Rorden. You've got it. Stand, stand up. Very good. Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast with Rawdon and Tom. Coming to you from the Eagle Waves radio studios in uh, mm. Cafe Vivo in the heart of uh, Sydney. It's very nice being here. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the, uh, the creme knob's up uh, full bore today. You yeah. sound particularly creamy over there. Cam likes to really just Richin. tweak Twitching it up. The creme knob. Mm. Now, Rawdon, on this podcast, we don't necessarily need to divulge too much about our, ourselves and our personal lives. Obviously, yeah. a little bit of our training comes out from time to time. We don't talk about the kills we get on the way up? No. no it's, it's, classified. It's not about that. It's about no. it's about the information we can provide for the listener. Should it? Ha- <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Of course it is, Tom. It's not we, for us just to talk. I think it is important to say, though, that, that in terms of uh, technology... Yes, you and I would be considered uh, uh, luddites. Well, what did I what I, I describe? We like all the the glitz and glamour, not really the behind the scenes stuff. The the bookkeeping. No, not very good at that. No, we're not good at the admin. We're not good at no. the back end. You no. know, look, I'm still using an old Nokia 170 or you something. You are. You are. Uh, if that could give the listener an idea of what what, what yes. they're dealing with here. iPhone. So. What's that? Yeah. You eat apples. You don't even know about the uh, <laughs> iPads and phones and that sort of stuff. Exactly. And the whole point of this is that, is that we we had the the podcast email account, uh, you know, podcast at yes. cleanhealth.com.au. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's it's been quiet for a while. And I just assumed people were sick of uh, yeah, us, which is fair enough. That's mm. fine. Mm. No dramas. But then uh, through an, an email that a listener had sent through, which yes. hadn't been responded to, mm. uh, and then sent the inquiry through to the admin at Clean Health. And then I got an email sent. Hi, Tom, blah, 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 has emailed yep. from the podcast. But said, blah, 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 blah. Turns out the podcast email account has uh-huh. been on the wrong server since about you know December last year. Oh. oh. And so when it, the cortisol production, yes. when uh, Chelso down at uh, Clean Health yes. fixed up the server issue and all this flood of emails, yes. bing, 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 yeah. bing, bing. Ooh. Oh, it was horrific, horrendous. Those little adrenal glands would have been... Absolutely fried. I mean, it was nice yes. to, to know that people are actually engaging with us. So, yes. apologies to anyone who has sent an email in. <laughs> I think we, I actually sent one. I didn't get a reply. I was a bit dirty <laughs> we, on you, mate. We we are. We will get back to them all, and yep. we will start answering your questions on the show because we've got some really good questions from some yeah. listeners, and it's clear from the people who are emailing in that we have a very astute, savvy, a, a savvy audience, mm. and I think that Rod and I could actually learn a bit off you guys. So yeah, yeah. We could. Um, we're going to ask for some more uh, listener interaction and start to work that into to part of the program. Yeah, yeah. More more curly. The question, the better, really. Yes. So we will uh, we will go through some emails and answer some questions on the show today. Our special guest on this episode of Under the Bar is IFBB Pro Larry Burnett. Yes. One of the more aesthetic physiques in the pro ranks, Tom, if you do uh, if you look him up. Very easy on the eye, Larry Vanette. Does a lot of modelling as well, I think. Does a lot of modelling, does a little bit of acting as well. He does. Uh, he's got his finger in, in a number of pies. He was heavily influenced by Charles Poliquin yeah, early in his right. career. So he, right. he basically was chugging along with a nice business, but then he met Charles Poliquin and yeah. implemented some of those systems... It's yeah. probably 15, 20 years ago, yeah. and uh, really started to. Um, he was doing things that no one else in Canada was doing, and really forged a built a good business. Yeah, and I, and I, it was quite refreshing to hear that uh, a lot of the, the protocols and um, uh, his his thought process and nutrition uh, recommendations were in line with what uh, what myself and the, yeah. and yourself and the rest of the guys at Clean Health do. So that was uh, quite nice to hear. Yeah, so we'll interesting ta- guy. We'll talk to Larry Vanette a little bit later on in the show. Yep. We're going to have a competitor wrap. We had the INBA City Titles. Yeah, uh, the Sydney Superbodies INBA. Yeah, it was a massive turnout for clean health there, so we'll run through that. Run cool. through that. Is a carb a carb? Off the back of our conversation with Menno Henselmans last week on the program, mm. we thought we'd have a look more in depth. In terms of post-workout and body composition, yeah. does it matter whether, whether, whether I have my pancakes and maple syrup or a chocolate milk or, yeah. or Rawdon has sweet potato and brown rice? And, and medulla dates. Medulla. Medulla. Medulla dates. Come on, Medusa mate. dates. I'm getting there, mate. Close. <laughs> we'll spin the under the bar wheel of fortune, awesome. and uh, Rawdon has a mystery study. One that you don't even know about. This is going to make Cam's uh, toes curl, but yeah, it's a good one. Under the 
one of the bar, the Clean Health Podcast, Rawdon and Tom. Now, uh, Rawdon, uh, we have a question here from oh. Robert Huskerson. Hi, guys. Love the show and have been catching up with all of the podcasts. Fantastic info. Thank you very much, mate. Apologies if this has already been asked. On the five to seven day veggie cleanse, what would you recommend training look like? Mm. Obviously, it wouldn't need much volume and time under tension due to the glycogen depletion, but would a steady five by five do the trick or use the, the phase as a deload? All the best. Keep up the awesome guests, Rob. Okay. So the cleanse, the fruit and veggie cleanse, uh, if this is the first podcast you've listened to and you haven't heard that, we discussed that on the John Meadows episode. So you can go yeah. back and have a listen. Basically, it's a it's a digestive resetting. It, yeah, I don't uh, really like the word cleanse. But no, uh, week we, of uh, manipulating food to elicit a, a healthy digestive system. I guess precise, reset things, like precisely. You but you're not eating much protein, and you're not having a lot of carbohydrates. So uh, yeah. the training around those phases is going to be a little bit different. So it's a good yeah. question from Robert. Now, look, he suggested a five by five, and that's probably not a bad place to start. You could do five, five sets of five. That would be appropriate for the cleanse. Yep. What are some other systems that you like to, to use, Rawdon, when you have someone on the on a cleanse? Made, um, yeah, just just like he pointed out, lowish time of attention with with a lack of carbohydrates. Obviously, doing anything that's going to you know bump up uh, a demand for glycogen wouldn't be your your best move because um, we know that the body, you know, if needed, will. Uh, a process of gluconeogenesis will elevate glycogen stores so we can fuel those types of workout workouts but um so yeah low time under tension uh i, th- I think like four to six reps um i usually like to do high-ish number of sets obviously with, with with that low reps i like to do you know seven or eight sets but pretty simple stuff i like uh you know to do a, a four-day split hit, hit in the full body push pull i mean we, you've heard me talk about these before some sort of pull from the floor and, and a, a bench press or a pull from the floor and an overhead press some sort of shoulder and a posterior chain or chest posterior chain and back and quads a couple of those days yep a little bit of arms in there if you want but just nice full body movements keep everything everything happening uh in that week uh but bear in mind you you, you do have low protein intake yes. uh, you are supplement aminos and stuff like that so you don't want to have a huge demand for uh, recovery growth and repair so you don't want to really beat the body up in regards to using it as a deload probably not because if you think about the deload that's when often we can super compensate and actually grow from what we've been doing so yes. a deload if anything you want to have the calories up a bit and uh, let the body recover so you can come into that final week uh, final phase after the deload to really bring bring home the bacon mm. and uh, set some numbers and, and, and really uh, leap forward with your training but so probably not a deload but um, but yeah that's the sort of uh, rep ranges and, and, and sets I like to use pretty simple four day split nothing too excessive yep. a little bit of light cardio if you want but nothing uh, I wouldn't do hit just uh, no. some walking something like that keep it simple the other thing to take into account is that it's energy levels can be quite low particularly yeah. on those first couple of days of the cleanse so when I have done it in the past I think the training systems that I've used I've done a, a 12 sets of 2 to 4 Ooh. just an A1, A2 and that's all I did Yeah. and uh, maybe like a, I think the other one was like a 5-3 wave load maybe 8 sets of 5 to 3 and then a couple of Bs what I, what I did do with the 12 sets of 2 to 4 was for the first Four workouts of the week i was just doing that a1 a2 12 sets two to four and then uh as the week went on in the last two days of the cleanse i then did some b's did a little bit more volume i did some sixes to eights yep. so that when i did bring uh food and glycogen back in i could have that little bit of a super little bit of a super compensation yeah, effect nice. out of it but um certainly at the start of the week you don't feel like doing much more than than just a couple of exercises to be honest it's just a yeah. process of getting getting in and, and clearing your head a little bit but yep. y- you can feel a bit off so that's that's that one there from robert mate thank you very much for your contribution to the program next question luke luke chapman has sent us in just a quick one here rawdon you can yep. you can handle this one hi guys i heard rawdon mention on last week's oh, show put me on the spot that he doesn't use wpi post-workout using bcas instead what mm. are the advantages of doing this keep the podcast coming thanks for your question luke yeah luke uh, that's a great question for me and um basically it's uh nothing too crazy i seem to have an issue uh with whey be it hydrolyzed isolate you know uh, even casein uh, it just doesn't it causes bloating and you know it's just unpleasant <laughs> so uh i i find that the uh, combination of bcaa's and, and essential aminos so EAAs and BCAAs, you know, 15, 20 grams of each. 
bit of glutamine, whatever else you want to chuck in post-workout does the trick for me. So I guess providing all the uh, amino acids for growth and repair post-workout, initiate uh, that muscle protein synthesis, get in there, get the aminos happening and then follow it up with you know, whole foods, meals, etc. within the hour. And obviously carbohydrates in there if it's a volume workout. But for me, uh, more of a digestive concern as to not having whey because whey is fantastic post-workout and much cheaper than using straight BCAs and EAAs. But for, for a- anyone that do have um, any issue with, with digesting the, the whey, any sort of bloating or anything like that, then you know, a, a better option like myself, EAAs, BCAs, post-workout does the trick, yeah. So the, the, nothing more complex than that. Now, Rodan, we have mentioned on the show before that <clears throat> for myself personally, I tend to rotate different proteins and yeah. was a, because I used to find that whey would upset me after a period of time. Yeah. When I did my initial consult with Dan Garner, who we had on the show mm. uh, a couple of episodes back, he said, well, you know what? It's probably not so much whey, but probably the flavoring in the whey that's, that's setting you off if you can have it sometimes because if you've got an issue with dairy or an issue with whey or something, then... It'll be across the board. It'll be across the board. Yeah. So I did that. I got just a natural whey product, or one from New Zealand, or an unflavored, perfectly fine, no dramas. I can have it every day. So yeah. If, I mean, I have. To, yeah, I've tried the. But yours is. Or, I mean, yeah. it's not just whey for you. It's it's dairy and other yeah. things. Custard bath. Custard bath. <laughs> you know, that, that's not Ben and Jerry's custard bath. That's not doing me any favors, Tom. Yes, yes. You know. So that's the answer there. You can get away with the amino acids. They still provide the amino profile you need yeah, to, the pool to, to, to rebuild the muscle. So that's that's yep. that one, Luke. Righto, right, mate. We'll just run through a couple of little um, quick emails here just to blow our own trumpet to a yes. certain degree. Mitch Henderson sent in a nice one. Hey, Rawdon and Tom. Just emailing from southwest France to say I'm loving the podcast. Oh. They make my away footy games bearable during the several hour drive looking forward to returning home to sydney in july and dropping back into the chpc for some neurally demanding cell swelling cortisol inducing <laughs> training keep dotting the i's and crossing the t's see you later in the year well thank you very much mitch yeah all you need to add was uh keep the white uh, lab coats on boys L- and white then, uh, lab coats on touch of the benoits and then yes. he's, he's covered the spectrum yeah, of, uh, of uh, under uh, the bar jingoisms and spraftery yes yes very That's nice. as good as it gets. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, we had another one here from one of our winners, actually, of uh-huh. Wheel of the Fortune, Ebony McLaughlin. Oh, Ebony. Had sent through her address details to the podcast, which uh-huh. so we can send out her prize. And she did put at the bottom, P.S., I'm no relation to Craig. Uh. Which is disappointing because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had visions of, uh, you know, being a McLaughlin. You know, uh, what's that. Uh, Rocky Horror Frankenfurter with the <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Frankenfurter. Yeah, my visions of, of her being a little like uh, the, the Rocky Horror Show. Yeah, ooh, nasty. Yeah. Well, actually, mate, look, she's got a picture here uh, attached to her email signature, and she probably look. actually looked pretty good with the uh, garter belt and suspenders on. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, Blackhawk down there, but let's just have a cam. There we are. Cam to cast <laughs> his beady eyes over there. That's Ebony, mate. Ebony. All but uh, Cam got thumbs up from Cam as well. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for that one, Ebony. And we've got another one in from uh, Dr. Brent Myers. Hi, guys. Just wanted to thank you for spending your time on these podcasts. They're entertaining, informative, and a great way to spend my time driving to the office. It helps to get my mind into a positive, healthy mindset for my patients. Well, isn't it nice to see that we have now <laughs> yeah, white uh, lab coats on? Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, he's well and truly got the white lab coat on. Thank you for your email, Brent. Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. If you have any questions for us, yep. send them in. Podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. Mate, we had the INBA City Titles. Sydney Superbodies, yep. Whatever Otherwise, it was. It, it was Sydney, used to be Sydney Titles, correct, but okay. the, they called it Sydney Superbodies. Superbodies. Schmancied it up a little. Yes, there were some Superbodies out there. It's, it's amazing how uh, how competitive these things are these days. Like, yeah. lots of people. Very serious. Very serious. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Well, you, you know, you, uh, you, you experienced, I mean, we're going to go run through we'll the, run through, uh, it, oh, yeah. run through it happened, but you experienced firsthand how uh, serious it is. Yes. So. So we had uh, clean health and... Uh, <laughs> that was lovely, mate. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit of triogenics then. That I was just reaching over to... 25 competitors we had uh, competing Ooh. at the INBA. We had uh, two first places, five second places, and six third places across the board. Oh, so it was a reasonable performance from some of the guys. And I think uh, on top of that, Tom, worth mentioning that you know pretty much all the... Well, everyone uh, really presented... Uh, 
dramatically improved physiques and uh, really really were quite competitive the whole the whole team on that yeah. day so it was nice to see that it wasn't just a few standouts that were in tip-top shape and the rest uh didn't make it it was mm. pretty much everyone who was everyone was, that was there was uh was in a, a really good shape so it was good good, good representation of what we do down there yeah jess murphy the comp prep manager down at clean health she's done a really really good job of organizing and and sort of creating a, a team community yeah for everyone who, who competes yeah, we have a like a Facebook page there for the for the competitors and uh, lots of support. Yep. Uh, the team posing every uh, every Saturday down at CHBC and of course, Amy Fox, James Kant, uh, both IFBB pros are down there giving them a hand, giving Jess, and of course Claire and um, and Steph also do do posing in house. So quite a few of the guys and girls down there, uh, you know, support and uh, yes. help the team. So it's certainly a team effort. Now, mate, we're just going to have a look at a couple of case studies from the weekend because yep. uh, they're interesting Scott Kennedy one of your guys you've been dialing him in for a while yep uh, getting ready for his first show and the day before the show he was experiencing some quite severe bloating yeah it was uh, it, was, it was just a, a really watery a midsection like he, he really softened up mm. uh, through the midsection like some sort of irritation it was uh, some inflammation in through his abdominals and um, it was really weird he, we, we did some posing practice and the week prior he was he was a bit sharper so I looked at, uh, basically, yeah, we had to fix it up. <laughs> uh, it was going to compete the next day, so we wanted to get some definition back through the midsection. We threw his back, fantastic. Mm. Uh, legs were good, and um, so he was competing in um, uh, men's physique, so he wears the shorts. Uh, but he certainly, uh, with the IMBA men's physique, they actually show their quads and, and hamstring development, and uh, that should do more bodybuilding-type poses, a little bit different than the IFBB. Uh, so for him, he does need that really tight midsection, and um, so I uh, hit him up, put him on the spot, questioned him. I put it down to a couple of things. Uh, one being the excessive water intake yep. uh, with the um, loading water, like I do with my competitors, and I do ask them to to drop it down a little bit when they do load the carbohydrates. And for our listeners, plenty of different ways to get ready for a show. A lot of the big names in the industry don't do anything. Yeah, for example, I know Lane Norton, to name names, he just likes to keep things really simple. John Meadows, I know he likes to keep things usually pretty simple. If it's good, don't change it, i.e. if they're drinking water, they drink water on the day. If they're having salt, they just keep having salt. Damon Hayhow the same, doesn't like to muck around with too many things. But a lot of the guys do actually manipulate water and sodium in an attempt to, to dry the physique out, improve condition. And, and I still do that with my guys and girls, generally. Uh, so I think it was a combination of, of too much fluid. Uh, he was really diligently following the plan of six to eight liters with uh, all those carbohydrates because he's very good at following the plan. So uh, retrospectively, although I verbally just said, you know, drink a little less, I think he was still hitting the number and that caused a bit of distension, a bit of bloating through there. But also I thought it was uh, like a, some sort of reaction to the carbohydrates, either uh, high fiber intake. I think from memory he consumed quite a high intake of uh, sweet potato. Mm. And I tell the guys to, to watch their, even before the day, they've already tried all their carb uh, refeed days and they've yes. experimented with it, like you've done with Beatrice, uh, different carbs to see what uh, really digested well and, and yep. they filled out nicely on. So I think he made a bit of an error with his carb load. So we changed that for the rest of that day. Um, because they've come into this carb load stage and they've been eating so little and so much all this water and, and all these carbs in their belly mm. uh, when there hasn't been a lot of food in the system for a while it's just this onslaught of uh, yeah of volume uh, yeah it is and that's why I, I, I like the actual volume of carbohydrates it's spread throughout the day and it's it's small frequent meals yes generally so it, it, you know and I have actually loaded them sort of through the night as well just so they do have that time to get the carbohydrates in uh, but the thing is, when they still consume quite a, a large volume of water, so that's where the, we have to be a little more diligent and tell our clients what to do there because uh, I think that's one of the problems, just so much water with the carbohydrates. Mm. But also, uh, I think it was some sort of allergic reaction. So whatever carbohydrates he, 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 he chose, I reacted a little, caused a little bit of bloating, a little bit of uh, discomfort through there. So uh, I got him to take a, just a over-the-counter antihistamine to to try and uh, uh, dull any yeah. uh, inflammation or, or allergic reaction to the carbohydrates and then again on the on the Sunday morning before the show and and then like I said change the carbohydrate choices for his last few meals obviously we we then had dropped water taken sodium out and then within 24 hours 
uh, he'd, he'd improved dramatically and was nice and tight for the show on Sunday. He still wanted to do that show prior, uh, before being his absolute best, uh, and the show coming up in a, in a couple of weeks' time, the City Nationals was the one that we wanted to peak for, so he's still dialing in for that one. So that'll be a much better version of Scotty for the City Nationals. Okay, looking forward to seeing how he goes with that one. Obviously, being through the uh, the experience, you'll know what to tweak and yeah, what, yeah. what to manipulate we'll be, coming into the second we'll be show. a lot more we'll strategic, be, and which yes. is great to do a show. Yeah. And you get all the little things out of the way, so when he comes in and really has to shine, he yeah. Yeah, we can dial it in and, and get it right. So. Yep. The other one we're going to look at is my client Beatrice. Yep. She went in figure first time. Yep. Timer, and she won that, which was wonderful for her. So I think figure for our listeners, you got bikini, softer sort of physique, like a bikini model essentially, like yep. a swimmer model, and then the fitness, and then into into figure. Yes. So figure more muscular, uh, a bit more conditioning. A little bit more staunch, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's and, a figure competitor. And when she actually decided that she did want to prep for a show, she was thinking uh, bikini or fitness. Yep. And when she had her first trial at actually posing, it became apparent that that just wasn't going to happen. Like she was high, falling over at yeah. high heels, and not yep. you know she's she likes playing football and sport and, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, very athletic. Like the idea of uh, of flexing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the and figure girls are actually going to belt out a few you know, double out. biceps and. Uh, yeah tricep shots and stuff um, like that so which was cortisol inducing for me because obviously <laughs> that means more muscle and less fat yes um yes. but uh, look she did wonderfully well she looked really good on stage and obviously she won and that was great but overall for her just the transformation over a six week Huge. six month period of time she came in uh not sure if she wanted to compete just wanted yep. to start training hadn't trained with weights before significantly like pretty much like a, a total novice yep had a heap of gut and digestive issues been to see multiple specialists and various things to try and get that sorted and never they hadn't seen uh, the specialist Tom Hewitt though well, well there was nothing special about it right? <laughs> exactly. all, all yeah. we did was basically the cleanse protocol which we yep. spoke about at the start of the show and yeah. people can go back to the John Meadows episode and listen to that just basic stuff took a few things out of a diet and cleaned yeah. it up and all the basics and base supplement protocol and the rest is uh, history so well done that's right um, but the, the transformation for her over that the period of time she started at about 25% body fat and ended up around about 10% or thereabouts yeah. in the last pinch on the biosig uh, on, soft- on that software so you're just lucky that you get that genetic responder who does well and, mm. and everything works so it was um, well, uh, yeah I mean uh, well I, you know I'll blow your own trumpet a little bit but it would have been uh, strategic programming as well and bringing in the right rep ranges at the right times uh, in accordance with dropping the calories down so yeah sure genetics and uh you know, I wouldn't have known she had, because uh, I saw her at uh, how many months out, I'm like, yeah, she might do all right. And she just morphed into this little uh, staunch thing that she yeah. she was on stage. And, you know, when she bangs into her uh, uh, front relax pose and the, and the delts pop out and the lats pop out, it's quite a formidable uh, stance up there on stage. And, yeah, she held herself high and it was um, it was really awesome for her. But the whole team did really well that day. all happening in here mate there's uh, there's burgers and steak sandwiches and wedges and fries and there's probably a uh, chicken schnitty out there somewhere too and a flat white for cam uh, so plenty of carbs going on out there Rawdon two yes. types of uh, carbohydrates uh, simple carbs and complex carbs yeah basically simple carbs are, are those carbohydrates made of one or two sugar molecules uh-huh. so they're, they're very basic they're broken down easily they're rapidly digested uh, yep. released very quickly as energy simple carbs can be fructose sucrose uh, lactose the sugar from milk yep simple carb mm-hmm. your complex carbs is basically everything else which comprises of three sugar molecules or more these carbs are, are higher in dietary starch and they're basically made of a chain of sugar molecules they have more fiber and they have other micronutrients we're okay. talking about your sweet potatoes, your rice. So you get a bit of bang quinoa. for your buck there. A bit of, bit of bang for your buck. Yep. The whole reason why we're talking about this, Rawdon, is we had Menno Henselmans on uh, last week, and he suggested that from a body composition perspective, it really doesn't make very much difference whether you're getting your carbohydrates from a simple carb source or a complex carb source. And we thought we'd have a, a bit of a look at this and expand on the idea. Certainly from a, a post-workout perspective, when uh, you've depleted some glycogen and the muscle cells are, are very sensitive, simple carbohydrates, those that are going to be rapidly digested and, and sucked up very quickly, yep. would seem to be the best way to go in terms of getting those carbs into the muscle very quickly. Yep. But over the length of time, does it really matter whether it, it is a simple carb or a complex carb? 
Yeah, I guess the, that is the big question. And, and traditionally, I would certainly always program high jai carbs post-workout, yeah, pre-intra-post. Yep. Uh, pre-meal, yeah, slow, slow burning, more the complex carbohydrate, you know, 60 to 90 minutes before you train. But then once you're in, in that uh, pre-intra-post sort of uh, window, be leaning more towards... Um, you know, I've tried the branch cyclic dextrin, the cluster dextrose, which is fantastic. John Meadows spoke about that. Yep. I found that really easy on the digestive system. Didn't cause too much discomfort. And we know I'm a little bit uh, sensitive down there. So that was very good. Or, of course, the Vitago, to name names. Uh, but dextrose, maldodextrin, glucose powder, they're the type of things that you generally use yeah. uh, around training. Yep. I've played around with various things post-workout. Uh, at the moment, I'm using a little bit of maple syrup. In, in yeah, the post-workout shake, you I've do. used uh, icing sugar in the past before. When I've of course you have just run out of dextrose, and it's just easy to go to the supermarket and get two bucks worth of icing sugar. It lasts you quite a while. And at yes. the end of the day, it's, it, yeah. some of the studies that Menno Henselmans was referring to over the length of a 12-week period, where they had two sets of weight training uh, groups. Yep, yep, yep. All the variables were kept the same. The only variable being that one of the groups had complex lower GI carbohydrates as their source the other group had higher GI carbohydrates as their source and there was virtually no difference in the amount of muscle mass gained so uh, I agree with you I like to use the higher GI carb sources around training but in the end it doesn't seem to really matter that much and certainly from a fat loss perspective once again this is uh, generally about the overall energy balance as in uh, calories in calories out and uh, essentially when you break those carbohydrates down there's still the same caloric value yeah i guess um our listener may have uh, also seen floating around the the social media of late was a study that they uh looked at junk food post-workout as opposed to you know your gatorades and things like that after a um an exercise bout so it was a uh, a study that was um you know published in the international journal journal of uh, sports nutrition and exercise metabolism so certainly sounds uh reputable yes but it was essentially a um a group of cyclists they went for a, uh, a ride uh one group had your, your gatorades or some sort of uh, power aid uh you know your typical glycogen recovery type uh sports drink yep and the other the other team i think uh the other group uh uh in the study had like burgers and and yeah. fries post-workout you know like junk food and then they checked performance and um times uh the next day and and basically i think they took like uh uh biopsies and you know, all sorts of things but they, they, they did everything to test which was the more beneficial but there was no difference yeah so the times were the same the next day the the, the recovery rate was the same the, the level of fatigue was the same and so it was basically <laughs> the conclusion was yeah um they just showed in this particular study that uh for this particular group of people, they okay. They were cyclists and went, you know, lifting weights in the gym, and and, and you could sort of argue back and forth. But it was just quite interesting that they still achieved, uh, yeah. you know, glycogen recovery and, and recovery from the workout uh, with uh, your like not your typical uh, post-workout uh, nutritional supplementation. Yes. So it's quite interesting. And I guess the next question then is, Rawdon, when you look at that or you're comparing table sugar or maple syrup compared to brown rice or sweet potato is the actual overall health benefits. Obviously, these more complex carbohydrates, they have more fiber. They have other micronutrients in them that, that are more valuable to your health. Yeah. But some other studies have been done uh, comparing the health markers of, of training individuals to training groups with just high GI, simple sugary carbs and those with uh, more complex starchy carbs and uh, very similar blood markers uh, very similar health markers i think yeah. i think the uh, high gi group had a slightly elevated ldl cholesterol so mm. that could be maybe a reason not to but the basic conclusion was that in healthy existingly healthy individuals that's the thing yeah. who, who are lean who train hard anyway you can get away with these things there's not so much of a difference but for someone who is for the unhealthy population then the high insulin spike from simple carbohydrates and the inflammation in the arteries and all this kind of thing that that's when that's when the associated concerns kick in it would make a difference for that population yeah and i guess what i would use from this study i wouldn't certainly be uh writing up a you know a a big mac and a and a thick shake for my for my clients post-workout but you know certainly on uh if a cheap meal you know yeah that's fine having cheap meal post-workout fantastic because you know, we know that they're still going to have 
you know, is it an optimal rate of recovery? No, but it's a, com- it's a comparable rate of recovery and uh, uh, from the training session. So in that regard, it won't be a biggie. Um, if the individual can't get to uh, a sports, you know, some sort of Vitago or, or whey protein type supplement post-workout, should I still train coach? Yeah, it's fine. Just go grab a meal afterwards. You know, it's no biggie. They're still going to recover well. Yep. Uh, the, the benefit of, of getting nutrition in post-workout you know the recovery muscle protein since those sorts of things are still going to occur is it going to be optimally probably not but they are going to have recovery to some degree so that's where I'll, i would be using that sort of information because yeah. like you said the the micronutrient density and uh, the quality of the foods i mean it sort of uh, echoes the if it fits your macros type feel to it and those sort of arguments as to why that's probably not the best choice long term would be used with why you know eating junk food post-workout yeah. is probably not the best choice or you know in that study but certainly uh your carbohydrate choices you've got a little bit more flexibility it doesn't necessarily have to be those um like you were saying uh, high gi the vitago stuff like that it could just be the the rice or, or, or sweet potato post-workout you're going to get a similar rate of recovery It's just, back. Just letting the music ride for a little while yeah, there. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, and I've got no problems with that. No. All right, we've got the Wheel of Fortune, the Under the Bar Wheel of Fortune, to win yourself the Clean Health Podcast Packs, the Deluxe Shaker, the Stainless Steel Water Bottle, the Drawstring Gym Bag, the Cooler Bag for time. all of your meals, the Works. Yes. Uh, the Podcast Pack. So we're going to uh, spin that wheel cam with all of your gusto. Yeah. Wow, every time he does a bigger one than last time. That's huge, that's right, Cam. That's right. So everyone that's on the database, I can see all the numbers spinning yes, around furiously around. here. Everyone who's entered their emails or in the drawer. It's an incentive, really, isn't the, it? The, the uh, Craig McLaughlin's of the world. Mm. Get a, oh, number 79. Oh, right back at the start, at the top of the wheel here. Bad girl have, 79 there, Tom. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> uh, Jess Tatum. Jess Tatum, congratulations. You have won the podcast pad. Yeah. Woo! Someone from uh, admin will send you an email with some sort of... Uh, Our PA will uh, send an PA. email. It's perhaps. not Rodden, uh, you know, you and I are here to, to make the magic happen. The glitz and glamour. The glitz and glamour. That's our responsibility. Um, go to the Clean Health website, cleanhealth.com.au forward slash podcast. Yep. Enter your name and email. Go into the draw to win the subscriber raffle. And uh, Rodden, I'm, gonna, I'm putting it out there now. You and I are going to start tending to our database a little better. Let's, Look, we're certainly going to try to. We're going to send some information out, mm. some, uh, some some programs, yes. some articles, some content, uh-huh. things to keep people up to date with what we're doing on the show yep. and to help educate and inform our audience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I'm just, I'm just going to sit back and relax now. Uh, My job's done. Yeah. That's Don't need the notes. Don't need the notes. Get rid of Jess it. Jess Tatum, there you go. <laughs> Thrown on the floor. You've won your, pal- your prize. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, you know, I guess it's study a study time. Yep. i got a couple for you. I've got the the meaty one that I've been, uh, you know, hiding in my top drawer. You've tried to cast your beady eyes over it and see what it's all about. But I said, no, you and Cam have to wait. Yeah, yeah. But prior to that one, I've got a couple of studies that I've dug up when I was looking at... Uh, High GI, low GI, whether it makes a massive difference in oh, regards okay. to uh, fat loss, mm-hmm. you know, uh, see if there were any studies that uh, basically, <laughs> you know, proved our point or were in our favor. I disregarded all the ones that said, yeah, choose low GI, but <laughs> yeah. we won't talk about that. There was a couple, yeah. uh, one was um, a randomized trial of low glycemic index diet and weight change in Brazilian women. Oh. So I know you're quite, uh, you know, you appreciate the, the Brazilians. Yes. And, and, and the women, so I thought this would be a, a nice one. So this, this is the background. Uh, despite interest in the glycemic index diets as an approach to weight control, few long-term evaluations are available. Mm-hmm. So the objective was to investigate long-term effects of low GI index diet compared to a high GI uh, index diet so basically low GI foods as opposed to high GI and whether they achieve fat loss I won't rattle off all the how many women but there was 203 healthy women uh, obviously two different uh, diets high GI low GI conclusion long-term weight changes were not significantly different between high GI and low GI diet groups therefore this study does not support a benefit of a low GI diet for weight control 
Okay. Favorable changes in lipids confirmed previous results. So similar, I think you mentioned that. The yes, similar so health markers. Uh, the cholesterol values are a little bit better. Yep. That's probably from a uh, you know, higher blood sugar, uh, triglyceride, that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, for your cholesterol. But fat loss, eh, jury's still out. Once again, calories in, calories out. Yeah, you can't get away from that uh, that conundrum. So you can't just get away with, I'll eat low GI, but I'm still in a surplus, and hopefully I'll lose body fat. No, you're in a surplus. You're yeah. not going to drop fat. Yeah. So. And also the key thing there is that they stress that they were a healthy population before testing. Correct. So longer term for anyone, obviously high GI, you know, ramping insulin all the time is not going to be good for you. Right, Uh, mate, what else have you got? What what else have you got? Well, another study, uh, basically the next one, no difference in body weight decreases between a low GI and high GI uh, diet, but reduced LDL cholesterol after 10-week intake of low GI. Now, background, the role of the glycemic index in appetite and body weight regulation is still not clear, so they're trying to prove basically whether it is actually clear whether it's better low GI or high GI. Again, similar sort of setup conclusion. This study does not support the contention that low-fat, low-GI diets are more beneficial than high-GI diets with regard to appetite or body rate regulation as evaluated over 10 weeks. However, it confers previous findings of a beneficial effect of low-GI diets on risk factors and uh, heart disease. So, I mean, there still is benefit of, of consuming low GI, but yes. in regards to fat loss, uh, if that's all you're interested in, then the jury's still out. Yes, okay, okay. But again, healthy population there, Tom. But the, the, the this is the... Uh, the, the killer. The, the clincher, killer. The so let's get to the study of the studies. This is the yes. one that I've been keeping uh, in, and it's uh, and it's appropriate for, for Cam and, uh, and you and myself, and all for right. any of our male listeners out there. Oh, here we go. Okay, so this is one that I dug up, and apparently, uh, male orgasm. Oh, <laughs> mate. Mate, uh, yeah, we're sort of on the under the bar. It's it's general health, you know. Sure, we have sure we go specifics, yes. niche market, you know, yep. for a lot of our, our PTs are listening, but. It's just for the male that's listening, Tom. You, I mean, this is this is the diverse nature of the program. Yes. We, we can be peri-workout nutrition one moment, yep. male orgasm the yes. next. Yes, our reach stretches far and wide, yeah. Tom. Craig McLaughlin, garter belts. Yes, it's all, all happening. Yeah. Okay, so male orgasm prolongs life. Oh. So do you want to live a bit longer, Tom? Well, there's only one option then. <laughs> <laughs> you should be having as many male orgasms as you possibly can. So every hundred orgasms... Female-induced male orgasms? Is, was, there, was there a study group with nah, that? I don't know if they actually specified, mate. So okay, uh, okay. not there's anything wrong with that. No. Every hundred orgasms a man has a year, uh, a year diminished his chance by dying <laughs> by 36%. Really? So, yeah. So every hundred. Okay. So you have 100, you know, you, you, the more hundreds you do, basically, you're going to... Right. 36%. So we're, up, we're after some sort of Don Bradman effort. <laughs> many hundreds you got to get the yeah, centuries. Just so empty all barrels all the time. Ep- epidemiologists at the University of Bristol come to this conclusion. A study that was published in 1997. 1997, regular sex halves men's chance of dying, the research shows. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, I could bore you with all the details and... Uh, yeah, tell us. But basically, yeah, uh, this study proved, uh, which is good enough for me. I only need one study, Tom. That's right. That's all we need all we under, need. under the bar. <laughs> one little shred of evidence, and uh, that's enough for us to... Uh, in the hit, trenches, Rawdon. In the trench, trench it out, Tom. So that's your homework. Yes, as many as I can. Cam, you hear me? As many orgasms as you can, and we're going to all live a little bit longer and under the bar. And hopefully our listeners will be, our male listeners anyway. Yes. Female listeners should be attending to our male listeners and, uh, you know, inducing as many orgasms as they can. Yes, but, uh, tend to the bar. Yes. Tending to the bar. Tending to the bar, perhaps, Tending to the bar. But, uh, but look, in all seriosity, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it it, it's similar to what Francine Zavard was talking about with female fat loss and yeah. uh, and a healthy sex makes life. You know, sense. it's uh, It lowers cortisol. <laughs> it, it lowers it, cortisol, it, as we call you know, it. It keeps you present in the moment. All of a sudden, the stresses of working at uh, the CHPC seem Insignificant. to disappear for a moment in time. Yeah. What stress, Tom. Anyway, there you have it. Okay, Rodden, we're just going to have a chat with Larry Vanette, IFBB pro bodybuilder, actor, model, what uh, do? physique prep expert, body yep. transformation expert. We actually spoke to him on the gym floor down at the CHPC. We pre-recorded we this one a while ago. And through various technical issues that we experienced, and we don't have Cam pushing the buttons for yes, us, Cam. the intro got cut off. So we start with you asking Larry just to give us a bit of a, an evolution of his career. Excellent. Okay, how it all started? Yeah. 
Well, started when I was age 12. Pretty much uh, the way it started, I got beat up in front of my house. And uh, my dad saw the whole thing, so I went back in the house uh, asking my dad why he didn't do anything because the guy was much bigger than, my, than me. And uh, he basically brought me down to downstairs, showed me a pair of boxing gloves and an old weeder do-it-all set and uh, started teaching me how to train. So I did that for a few years, then got involved into other extreme sports. And at the age of 18, I was uh, doing uh, snowboarding semi-professionally. And Very nice. I broke my ankle twice the same year. So I joined the gym to rehab my ankle. And uh, I was making gains pretty quick in the gym. And uh, guys uh, started asking me uh, what I did for program, what I, how I ate and all that. So I uh, started selling programs for like 10 bucks, you know. Nice. And uh, slowly started making a business out of it. And then I said, hey, this is pretty cool. You know, I could be my own boss and do some of my lights. So I started specializing in it, and uh, I was lucky enough to meet Charles at an early age. I think I met Charles Poliquin in somewhere in 94, 95. So that put me ahead a lot of years over all the other trainers. Yeah. And I started uh, building up a business, getting good results with clients. Word of mouth got around, uh, and uh, been doing that now for uh, the past 22 years. You mentioned that you were semi-professional in snowboarding, just going laterally, topic-wise, into a bit of snowboarding. I I actually uh, love snowboarding myself, and I've done a fair few trips to Canada, and I've sort of been all around the, the West Coast, so Vancouver and um, in as far as Banff and yeah, you know, Big White and all that type of stuff. Were, were you more on the East Coast? Yeah, we're in the East Coast. Oh, so we, we're used to riding on ice instead of nice powder like uh, <laughs> Western guys. Yeah. So most of the guys that, that came out of the East Coast, uh, whenever they get to the West Coast, they're really, really good because our conditions suck yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, it was harder to learn. So when we hit the powder, we had, uh, I guess, an edge over everybody else because we, we had such poor conditions for snowboarding that yeah. as soon as uh, we hit nice powder, uh, we were doing great. Game on. Well, I, I dare say those icy conditions may have contributed to those uh, uh, breaking the ankles yeah, there, mate. Yeah, definitely, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you that um, even though it was pretty bad on the uh, East Coast, I can assure you in Australia, it, I think it would fall into the pretty bad category as well most of the time. But oh, yeah. we, we do occasionally get uh, good dumps down here and it's um, game on for everyone. It gets tracked out in about 10 minutes. But yeah, cool. Why don't we talk about um, a little bit about Charles and the uh, influence by Poliquin. Big influence in what I do and, and what Tom does and what the rest of the guys here, Clean Health and the CHPC. We're obviously a Poliquin influence gym here and all our coaches uh, either do the, the bioprint or, or the biosignature modulation. And you, yeah. you use the biosignature or bioprint now? Uh, I'm still using biosignature. Charles is doing bioprint uh, next month here. So yeah. I'll be doing that with him. Uh, he showed it to me really, really quick last time he came to Montreal. Yeah, I gather the, the bioprint is a more realistic body fat assessment, so I'm a bit hesitant to put my guys who I'm prepping for shows onto the bioprint because all of a sudden they'll be uh, 10% body fat and they'll play with their heads a bit. But yeah, it's- yeah. So, Larry, can you tell us about those early days with Charles and what kind of an influence he had on you and what sort of things he was teaching back in those early days and how you learned from him? Uh, listen, when I started with Charles, he hadn't even written his first book yet. I think it was he was writing it as I met him the first time. He had a great influence. He taught me about intensification, accumulation phases, proper exercise technique, and he was a fun guy to... to to hear and listen with all his uh, stories about the Olympics and all. Um, you know, the thing with bodybuilding is that guys that used to be prep coaches for bodybuilding were just guys that were able to develop a good shape and then just load up a bunch of guys on steroids and do whatever and they were getting results. Mm. When Charles came along, you know, with, with you know, knowledge that he has, we were able to, able to uh, write programs that actually made sense instead of just, yeah. you know, haphazardly doing, you know, four sets of this, four sets of that, and just pumping blood in the muzzle. There was actually uh, some thought process involved into it. So, you know, as Charles would point out, bodybuilding wasn't really a sport 
but somehow coaches like us, we actually made it into a sport because there was actually, you know, logic behind the design program. He had a great influence on me, a bunch of others too, but mostly Charles, especially in intensification phase, you know, accumulation phase, and, and go back and forth with the two and get a good base. And I was very happy to meet him at a very early age because he put me about five, ten years ahead of a lot of trainers here in, yeah. uh, in Canada. In the so how have you developed your own system, yeah. I guess, from what Polokan does? You know, you, you take the good from the bad, and, and whatever Charles is doing is great. Yeah. Uh, but for hypertrophy, I mean, you, you have to have a little higher time with attention. Yeah. I like to develop a good base of intensification with the athletes in the beginning and make them functional and get them lean, and then we work on time with attention to yeah. actually get get a pump in the gym and uh, get, get in that hypertrophy range, you know, 40 to 70 seconds time with attention and all that. Using drop sets, giant sets, rest pause, force reps. That makes the training, uh, you know, more intense in the sense that you increase the time of attention and, and the muscle get, tends to respond more as long as the nutrition aspect of it is, is matching it. So you bring all those nutrients to the muscles. Charles was uh, gasping for air when he was doing the Meadows training programs. And I think even um, Charles mentioned when we when we spoke to him about doing the Meadows, he was saying that initially his weight dropped, uh, and then I think for him he increased his protein intake, and then the, the the weight stabilized and came back up. So definitely need the calories to support it. All right, um, we'll move right along. You turned pro in 2012, so you became an IFBB pro 2012. Did you do anything differently to uh, get ready for that show, or was it a something that you were trying to achieve for a while, or you know you you prepped for it and got it type thing? I know I when I started training, of course, I already had that de- that dream of becoming an IBB pro and competing in the federation as uh, Arnold and Luke Perigno and all those guys. And uh, after a while, uh, concentrating on family and business. Then when I came back to competition around 2003, uh, I was doing all those natural shows because before then there wasn't a lot of uh, natural federations around. You know, that's what I was back then. I was like, okay, well, let's try this. And I became pro in four different federations that were natural and actually won a world championship in 2005. And then, uh, you know, my dreams of becoming an IBB pro were sort of, you know, vanishing. And then in 2009... Uh, they had the nationals in my hometown, so I said just for the fun of it, I wanted to try it out and see how I did with the big guys. And lo and behold, I came in third in my first try, not using much and not really, you know, focusing on a pro card or anything. But after placing third, it sort of uh, reawakened my dream of, of getting that pro card. So I came in third, then the next year I came in second, tried it again, came in second again. And then in 2012, I actually got the overall title, which gave me my pro card, and uh, it was a dream come true. I never thought I was going to do it, because I, I forgot about it. But, uh, you know, when you persevere, and you keep at it, and you do things right, you, you do end up uh, reaching those dreams you had when you were a kid. Uh, the way I prepped for it was pretty simple. I did what I always used to do, and I didn't really focus that much on counting calories and all that. I really went instinctively. I never weighed my food, which is no, I don't recommend this for anybody else. But since I've been you know, training myself for so long and I've never had anybody prep me except myself, I, I really use an instinctive approach and it worked great. Uh, that way, I guess I wasn't you know, overstressing on diet. I just did what I felt was right. I must have, you know, kept my cortisol low or something, but it, it, it worked. So it was an easy prep for me, and the competition was rough. There was a lot of good guys there, and uh, I managed to come out on top, and I was very happy with it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I have obviously, uh, you know, looked at the photos on your on your Facebook page and had a bit of stalked you on just on Google, but I've got to say, uh, you know, in the pro ranks, you're one of the, the few pros that does actually have... Uh, a slightly classic, more aesthetically pleasing physique. You know, it's actually nice to look at and and actually a, a physique that I think most of us out here uh, training aspire to, to have. So, yeah, a quality physique, mate. You did very well. 
Well, thank you. You know, I, I grew up watching guys like uh, Lila Brada and Sean Ray and Flex Wheeler. So you know, those were the physiques that, you know, uh, I always dreamt of having. I, I have a very fast metabolism. So for me to gain weight is a struggle. To stay lean is very easy. So for me to yeah. become a mass monster like that, I would have to eat so many calories yeah. that you wouldn't believe. So it would actually be a job for me to do that and... Yeah. I don't have the appetite matching my metabolism, unfortunately. So for me, dieting down for a show is no problem, you know, because when you're hungry and you can't eat, you know, you can get your mind off something else and it'll pass. But when you got to eat and you're not hungry and you got to sit in front of that plate and you got to chug that food down, yeah, that's really hard. Yeah, much much harder than dieting down for a show. Mm. So you know, I, I'll never be a mass monster. I don't plan on being a mass monster. I want to keep my shape. The way it is, I got a small waist. I'm happy. I got white shoulders. Mm. That's the look I, I, you know, when I started training that I wanted to emulate, and that's the shape I'm pretty good, pretty much gonna uh, stick by. So, Larry, you, you mentioned how grueling uh, it was to get all the calories in that you needed to grow. Could you just expand a bit on your nutritional philosophies to support hypertrophy, how you utilize carbohydrates and, and how you structure that around your workouts, I guess in some general broad principles that our listeners could apply? Uh, for me or for my athletes, because I'm like the exception to the rule. What, what applies to me doesn't really apply to anybody else. Yeah, let's go for the, the 70% of the population. All right. Uh, for the 70% of the population, the first thing I do in an athlete uh, or any client for that matter, is to get them lean first. Guys, I like them below 10%. Women, I like them below 16% before I do anything else. Once they're at that stage, well, obviously, they'll have a better insulin sensitivity. So then you can start reintroducing re carbohydrates in their diet, and they'll be able to metabolize that a lot better. And then uh, we, we, you know, we manage it with that. So I take body fat measurements, we do biosig, we, we find a, a number of calories and a ratio that seems to work for them. Now, obviously, you'll get them, those carb bitches that just eat carbs till there's no tomorrow, and they'll, you know, grow and grow and grow and, yeah. and never get lean, uh, never get fat. Uh, but most people, you know, I like to keep fat at about 30 or 20 percent. You know, protein 50 percent, carbs 30 percent. That seems to be working better for about 70 percent of the population. But then again, it all depends on, you know, the results we get the bio six. So everyone's different, but the majority of people, I like to stick to 20% fat, 50 protein, and 30 carbs. Awesome. Well, we've got a little bit of uh, the 20, 50, 30, 20% carbs, 50 protein, and 30 fat. What about, uh, what about supplementation? If you're, if you're going to give us uh, our listeners and certainly Tom and myself as well, some, some tips regarding supplementation, uh, specifically for hypertrophy. Well, of course, you've got to cover the basics and things that most people are, are uh, deficient with. So you'll look at omega-3s, you'll look at a good uh, quality multivitamin. Uh, magnesium is going to be a must for most people. Zinc, vitamin D3, uh, some antioxidants, electrolytes. Of course, probiotics to keep them healthy because if, they, if they're sick, they're not going to train, they're not going to eat, they're going to lose weight. BCAs while you train, creatine. And then the rest will depend on their biosignature. But those are pretty much the basics that pretty much anybody would need if they're training, you know, so intensively at least. Besides that, but all the rest will depend on their biosig. If they're insulin uh, and, and, you know, if they have an insulin problem, then they'll want to increase their insulin sensitivity. So products like fenugreek, you know, chromium, uh, alpha-lipoic acid will help. Their cortisol problem, then you want to, you know, get them adaptogens. Uh, make sure you cycle the adaptogens every. I like to take about three of them and cycle them every week, so the body doesn't adapt to them. Uh, make sure they drink enough water because everybody's dehydrated. I like to alkalize the water by putting lemons or limes in it. I make sure to eat their veggies. Yes. And, uh, yeah, you know, basically, I I make sure they they hydrate themselves well because they're. They, they're dehydrated. Most of the stuff won't work to its full potential. And then make sure the, you know, the nutritional content is there and it's fine according to their body types. And then we put the supplementation. But, you know, supplementation is, that doesn't replace any of the above. So if they don't drink, they don't eat well, 
you know, it doesn't matter what supplements they take, it's not going to do much. Yeah, for sure. Get all the basics there and then tweak it. I like the fact that you, you get all the basics and then from there it's individual case by case looking at the biosig and how the, exactly. the client's responding. Really individual approach. Um, quickly while we're wrapping up nutrition before we, uh, hit you with one more question before we go. Uh, if it fits in your macros, uh, a big fan of that or like Charles, you're, um, not a big fan? No. I- you know the problem with fitting your macros is that they'll they'll put any crap in there as long as it fits their macros. Not really healthy in my book. You know you have to have quality food. You got you know access to organic food. Go for it. There is a difference there. But uh, uh, no, I don't believe in eating uh, chocolate bars just because it fits your macros. Consider Some people can manage it. You know, depending on you know. Listen, <laughs> sometimes anything will work with someone. So you try yeah. it out. If it works, great. But most times. You know, why even go there? You know, you're dieting or you don't. You know, you, you want to eat well, well, eat quality food. Yeah. You know, if it fits your macros, that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of a cop-out. So, Larry, what's next on the cards for you, mate? I mean, I know that you've dabbled in a bit of acting and, and modeling. Is that where your focus is going, or are you looking to do uh, another pro show? Uh, I'd love to step on stage. My plan was to step on stage last year. But when I went to the Olympia weekend last year, I actually tore my tricep while training with uh, Frank McGrath and all those guys. Uh, the way it happened was my body was too dehydrated from the fact that we're in Las Vegas. It's the desert. It's dry. Uh, I just I flew that same day, and when you fly, your body dehydrates. Yeah. I didn't bother drinking enough water because once we got there, we were rushed to the expo to see the competition. So it was just a you know accumulation of factors that that uh, made it that when I went to train later that night I was tired and have enough calories in and not enough water and my my tricep just tore. Got it repaired ten days later and uh, you know it's been exactly a year because I just came back from the Olympia last weekend yeah. and uh, it still hasn't been better. So I can't even do a dip or a push up right now. Uh, so I gotta go past another MRI next week to see if I didn't accidentally tear it again somewhere along the way during the year without really realizing it. And uh, as soon as I know exactly what's up with my tricep, then my therapist guys will be able to dig in deeper and try to fix it. If it's torn again, I'm gonna have to reattach it again and uh, gonna have to rehab it again. Yeah. Um, as far as acting, well, we're shooting Heroes of the North season two again uh, by the end of the, uh, actually next week or the, in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, season one was a great success. Uh, it won some awards. This year, uh, change of uh, role a bit. I, I think I've become a bad guy at one point during the season, so that'll be interesting. Um, but that's pretty much the only acting I'm going to be doing now. Um, since I want, I'm competing, because I, I, you know, I used to be a stunt uh, performer. I can't really afford to get hurt doing stunts now because mm-hmm. I do want to step on stage again and not you know, tear a muscle. Yeah. You know, I'm 43 years old now, so the body doesn't really recuperate as well as it did when I was 20. And yeah. uh, as far as modeling, and photo shoots, nothing in the works for now. Just uh, you know, if I get back on stage, maybe that will spark some interest in getting some more photo shoots from the magazine. But you know, I've done 12 covers so far, so I'm pretty happy with that. If I could call it a day for covers, you know, I'll be very happy with what I accomplished so far. And yeah. any extra would just be icing on the cake. Okay, Larry, well, mate, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate getting you on the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Larry. Hopefully we'll uh, have a chat again, maybe hit you up with some um, fat loss uh, programming or, or something on that side of things next time. Perfect. It'd be my pleasure. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Larry. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Mate, I just want to get the show done and get yeah, out of here. Yeah, man, we've got some work to do, I've Tom. got to extend my Cam, life. wrap it up. I'm desperately trying to extend my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, thanks for listening to the show. It's been a big one. Huge. Uh, Larry Vanette. 
Awesome guy. Awesome to have Larry on the show. Attractive man. Really nice guy. Very methodical yeah. with his programming. Had a lot of good stuff in that interview, so it was uh, it was Loves good to the hear tempos from Larry. too. Yeah, he likes training with tempo. I like the fact, Rawdon, that he um, has a focus on base supplementation. Yeah. He likes to get all those basics in place yeah, before he starts. The magnesium, the zinc, support, that probiotics, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting him on the program again. Again, yes. Um, is a carb, is a carb, is a carb. Well, if you're healthy and you're lean and you're training, then uh, not really. For the yeah. unhealthy population, then the more complex, lower GI, yeah. starchy carbs with all the fiber and the micronutrients, that's obviously the way to go. Yeah, yeah, and post-workout, you got a little bit more freedom with your uh, uh, nutrition post-workout and uh, uh, which carbohydrate you select. Keep those questions coming in, guys. That was uh, enjoyable for Rawdon and myself. Yeah, very And good. Uh, I think it would be wonderful for the program if we had some more people contributing. Tell us what you want to know about. If you have any experiences in the gym you'd like to share, because obviously there's plenty of people out there listening to this program who uh, yeah. know, know what they're doing. and uh, yeah. We'll know far more than us. Yes. And you know, we can learn a thing or two and yes. we'll pretend to claim it as ours. And, uh, and by all means, go ahead and uh, extend your life. Yes. That's your homework, everyone. <laughs>